Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our webinar slash podcast. You can thank us later. Um, today, we are going to be speaking to two companies that are that are great friends to CG Made Out of Consulting, um, and really, they are they're a must in terms of restaurant owners and, and that specific vertical in terms to engage if you want to streamline uh, your operations. Um, if you're looking for change management, corporate expansion, uh, you want to franchise, even replicate your franchise. Um, and also internally, from a processing standpoint, some points really to look at um, to save money and to make sure that the processing, credit card processing um, and things like that are, are optimized. So today we're gonna to be speaking to Gary Norris. Um, he's the owner of Norris Ventures and Joe Nazario, with DPS card service. So let's jump right into it. Um, Gary, let's start with you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the beginnings of Norris Ventures, how you became the Titan that you are. <laughs> well, thanks for having me uh, today, Daniel and Vinny. I appreciate it. Um, look forward to working many years working with you guys and hopefully making it to New Jersey before long. Um, <clears throat> we can do this in person. Um, Norris Ventures began really um, as uh, an answer to a cry for help from entrepreneurs. Um, I, I owned, started and was uh, managing a healthcare finance firm. And that firm won an award in the state of North Carolina uh, in 2015. As a result of that, um, I got to teach at colleges in business courses and uh, go around and speak at small business center meetings and things like that. And and do some instruction. And out of that grew a, uh, a really large um, opportunity to help entrepreneurs one-on-one. -on -one. And um, we were able to monetize that. And my CFO came to me one day and he said, okay, enough is enough. You have to stop rolling this entrepreneur thing you're doing under the finance company, go start another company. So I did. And then in 18, I sold the, the healthcare finance company and just went full in on Norris Ventures, and here we are today. So that's that's how we we became uh, the Titan that we are. <laughs> so, so Joe, tell us how how did you get involved with DPS? Give us a little background about yourself. Well, that's kind of an interesting story. DPS uh, originally was a uh, a customer of mine um, back, uh, I guess, about 12, 13 years ago. Um, I had a marketing company myself. I own that. And, and um, I was helping DPS started prior to me, uh, but they start, they came in and uh, I was helping them actually train and set up uh, sales reps in uh, they were looking to expand up and down the East Coast. So that's kind of what I was doing. And then as I um, 2008 hit and um, the market crashed and um, Obviously, that well dried up for a lot of people uh, in in the marketing area, and so I went to DPS and said, "I can just come. I want to start selling for you guys," and that's what I did. And so, and then as I was selling, they they started offering me uh, parts of the company and saying, "Hey, we want you know what you're doing is working, so let's I'm going to give you five percent. I'll give you five percent more." And as that grew, um, now I'm up to seventy percent. So I have a partner in Florida, and um, and that's kind of how that worked out. It's, it's, um, I kind of changed it from a company that was working with one particular ISO, which I'll get into what an ISO 
was later. Uh, but um, also I was, um, uh, I changed it into more of a brokerage company. So now we work with, um, you know, 50 different banks across the country and mega ISOs and all kinds of people. And, and that model kind of changed the way that uh, people were looking at credit card processing. Uh, now, where are you guys specifically, like physically located? I am located in Greensboro, North Carolina, and okay. I have a partner that's down in Florida. And you are you able to handle the entire country? Are there certain areas that you're you're limited to, or? No, no. I we work coast to coast United States and coast to coast Canada. Okay, cool. There's really no restrictions demographically, and what I love too is it's funny because we built our company very similar to you in terms of networking um, and embracing partners that that can complement what our portfolio offers. Um, and for restaurant owners and anybody in the hospitality vertical, um, you guys are a heck of a one-two combo. And that, that's why I was excited to talk to you today. And I think when we're looking at it, you both have super unique services and a super unique approach uh, to the markets. Um, now, Gary, as far as Norris Ventures goes, like on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm a restaurant owner. Um, you know, there's some things internally that I'm not 100% sure of. I know that the idea is great. I have two locations. I want to franchise, um, you know, maybe expand. Tell me a little bit about, from a daily basis, how you help those type of, uh, of business owners um, and what you guys do, um, you know, from a broad perspective. Well, you did a good job, uh, Dan, listing the things that, that really we consider core competency. <clears throat> I, I can just share with you what restaurant owners ask me when, when we get on the phone or when we have a cup of coffee um, together, uh, they'll ask me, am I ready to franchise? Um, and really it sounds like three separate things, um, but essentially what happens is we have to go in to a restaurant before I can answer that question thoroughly. We have to go into a restaurant and look at what's replicable, what's scalable, because that's what franchising or even expansion is. A restaurant owner may not want to franchise, but they may want 10 more locations. Well, you can't have 10 locations efficiently and 10 different point of sales. You can't have 10 locations in 10 different manager train, training programs. You can't have 10 locations efficiently in 10 different processors. And so what we have to do, our team, we come in and we look at the model that's successful. We identify the things in that model that are replicable and scalable. And the things that are not we change those, there's where the change management comes in, to a process or a vendor or a partnership that is efficient, possibly saving money. We connect them with you guys to, to lower their overhead and cost of operations uh, many times. And, you know, a lot of times we'll connect them with Joe for uh, a point of sale that's going to work across 10 locations and provide scalable reporting, the lowest processing fees possible. Our team will develop a social media strategy that talks across the portfolio. We'll create a training university for that restaurant so that all the managers and all the staff are getting the same training on day one as they would get on day 100. Um, and now we have, that one has reached that place. Now we have a model that we can replicate regardless of demographic, regardless of location, um, regardless of footprint, we can take that successful model then and replicate it wherever the need arises, wherever the business owner wants to be. That's fantastic. Um, and it doesn't matter, like Joe was saying before, geography doesn't matter. You got you could work within the entire continent of the United States. 
We we can. Um, it, we we are working in the United States, all over the U.S. right now. We're working in um, South Africa. We've had work in um, the U.K. Um, doing these kinds of things, all remote, um, for that matter. But um, I, I do want your 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 guests to understand that uh, demographic matters, um, and so just because we can work in an area doesn't mean we should. Um, we have to understand the, for example, uh, let's just use pizza since I think everybody on the call loves good pizza. Um, you know, we have to understand the pizza appetite in a specific geographic area. So our demographics team and analytics team will look at the purchase power of a let's say three zip codes that we're targeting for a new pizza shop or the second pizza shop or the 200th pizza shop. We're going to look at that demographic and understand their purchasing power. We're going to understand what the market saturation is. You know, if a 30,000 population can only uh, uh, support three pizza restaurants effectively and profitably, we're not going to be number four. We're going to look somewhere else and make sure that our clients go where they need to be. Good points. Uh, I, I kind of want to turn this around a little bit and, and talk to Joe. And I have like a, a two-part question, Joe. So, so kind of bear with me. Sure. I mean, one is, you know, what you know, what do you believe are like good characteristics to be successful in the industry? And tell me one of some of the most common questions that you get. Um, I mean, good characteristics in this industry is, uh, you know, perseverance. Um, you got to be able to. Um, it's really reading the person, okay? So you got to be able to understand what their needs are. Not everybody that you walk into, especially restaurant owners, because they are um, typically working in the business instead of on the business. And so you got to be able to see what their needs are and be able to be flexible to those needs, um, which is why um, at DPS, you know, we can, there's a lot of things that we can do that a lot of processors can't because they lock you into contracts and things of that nature. Um, so we can go in there and we can set up a point of sale system and we can rent it, we can lease it, we can SaaS it. There's a lot of different ways we can put it in there. And I tend to go in there with especially new restaurant owners that are trying to find their feet and I go in there with a rental. And so that way we can kick the tires, we can test it out. They don't like it in 30 days. We just take it out and put it on the one in uh, where a lot of places won't do that. You know, they can't do that. You, you have to purchase it and then you own it. Right. And then and, and so there's a, you know, leasing it, sassing it. There's a lot of different ways we can do that, which will also um, we will then um, service it for the lifetime that they are processing with us and we will guarantee it. So if someone knocks it on the floor, we'll replace it, you know. Uh, and so that, going back to the question, the question was what kind of. Um, what kind of characteristics does it take? It, it takes somebody to understand and read the actual owner and understand what their needs are that they might not see and then fit them into the best um, point of sale or however they're going to be processing, whether, you know, e-com and, and being able to tie in all of the new delivery systems that people have and, and, and gift cards and all kinds of stuff into one reportable system to one spot. And the reason why me and Gary work so well together is because we can get pretty, 
you know, nitty gritty with everything and be able to bring everything with multiple locations to one reporting uh, platform, to one dashboard so that an owner um, can then work on the business instead of in the business and understand what's happening in each location all over the place. Um, you know, so I don't know if I answered the question fully, but that's kind of what I'm thinking is, is that's really where it's at. It's, it's, it's being able to fit the person instead of trying to sell them something is to fit them and find them, find their need and go find that piece of even whether it's software, hardware, whatever, and bring it to them. Um, and that's what DPS does. It, 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 you know, you did answer my question. Um, I do want to, you know, I, I think one other question I have for you, though, is for our existing uh, uh, clients that are watching this, this presentation. Um, where do you guys stand out? You know, you know, look, we know they have merchant reps coming into their place. Probably I couldn't even tell you how many times a day during a week. Yeah. Where, how, how can you help them there? I mean, really, where, where, where does DPS stand out? Because we stand out because we are not beholden to any one particular processor, right? We're not necessarily a processor. We are a brokerage company. So we work with a lot of different processors, mega ISOs, banks across the country, so that somebody like Gary can come to me and say, this is what we need. And then we go make that deal. And we work on behalf of the merchant, not on behalf of a processor. So we're not trying to sell a specific processor's hardware, software rates, we go out there and we shop it around so that when somebody comes to me and they say, here's my merchant report, what can you do for me? I immediately send it out to four, five, six, eight different processors and get them to report back to me. And then I'll start haggling. I'll start saying, hey, you know, such and such said they can do it for this. Can you do it for that? And can you give me a, a free piece of equipment? And and can I get this? And can I get that? And that's when we send them. Then I can put the package together and bring it to the customer. It saves the customer a whole lot of time when they don't have to pick up the phone and they're looking for something, and and they don't have to make fifteen phone calls to try to get something in there. That and then they have to sign a two-year contract before they even get it. Um, that's not the case with me. So even I tell everybody when we when we start, look, if you don't like it, you don't like their customer service, you don't like anything, then we'll just change. I can hold my pricing moving forward and we can just change. Two, I also have my own customer service, right? So I try to be a liaison between the merchant and the processor or their tech support. So if they have an issue, they can call us and we will then make that phone call. A, you won't sit on the phone for two hours waiting for somebody to pick up the phone because we call a different number than they would. And, um, and then we can be the liaison between them so that they understand what needs to happen. And as opposed to them just getting on with some tech support with some ISO and, and, and everybody's still confused at the end of the day. You, you, you mentioned ISO a couple of times. Would you mind explaining that a little bit to us? I'm sorry, yeah, an ISO is an independent sales organization. So that's what an ISO is. And they, they tend to work with, um, the big banks. So they'll work, they'll make a deal with the big bank. They go out and they hire people around the country to go sell the big banks products. And so they're called an ISO. And then you have places like mega ISOs, which are, they're really big. So those, they can also branch off and create little ISOs off of them. But so, you know, but, but the difference is, is they also are a third party person in between the processing 
and the merchant, which people don't realize, right? So we do a lot of things direct source, which means I go straight to the bank. I don't work with, I don't work with, uh, uh, I mean, I do have some, I do have a bunch of accounts in mega ISOs depending on their, their offer at the time, but I work directly, I work directly with the banks. So I can guarantee pricing. If I set a price for somebody and when it's all said and done, I can have the bank put it in writing that this will never go up as long as they are processing with them without their permission. And that's something that most 99% of the people out there, they can't do. Because the bank sets their price, the ISO buys their price and then tax onto it. Of course, yeah, a little bit of a markup there. I get it. Without a doubt. And it seems like too, uh, basically, even what Gary was saying, if you have a restaurant looking to scale and duplicate the processes, it seems like it would be difficult to do without that flexibility. If you don't have that yes. flexibility, it seems like a handcuff, right? Um, and, and I think what's interesting, and we're going to flip back to Gary real quick. When I was reading um, initially, when we had first met, and, and just reading uh, the background of the company, I, I thought a lot of things obviously jumped out. But change management, and tell me if I'm wrong, when you look at change management, people automatically think, oh, well, that, that's got to be, you know, when you need a change, maybe things aren't going so well. I look at it almost like the opposite, you know, maybe tweaking internals as you can scale. So tell us a little bit, give us an example of companies you've worked with internally, because I know you have a proprietary four-step approach to that. So give us, you know, you engage the, the restaurant, right? I'm doing well, or at least I think I'm doing well. At what point am I engaging you? At what point should I call Gary and say, Gary, listen, you know, this is where we're at. We're looking to either scale or improve efficiencies. Tell us a little bit about that, that process, what you and your team would do if, if you got that call. Um, that, that's a great question. Change management, believe it or not, is most often used by the government. Um, and it's because if you can imagine yeah, that <laughs> a federal department or a state department that needs to change, for example, who they use for email or who they use for file storage or who they, how they do their training. Those are, those are things that that change management is typically used for. In a restaurant capacity, you're right, that's spot on when they're getting ready to scale or when they're getting ready to um, uh, grow their, their brand, quite often we will get called in to, to really test the efficiency of their model and make sure they are as lean as they can possibly be. What change management really ends up being is lean, uh, a, lean a process of getting lean. Um, for us, that means uh, me or one of our team showing up and doing what quite often is a four hour in, intake. Um, and that starts at the front door and goes, goes out the back door. I mean, there's no stone unturned. Um, now we don't do that all at once, not to give anyone a heart attack, but uh, we can do it all at once or we can do that over a, a period of time, but it is a systematic intake interview that really tells us, um, where there may be inefficiencies or where there may be wins that need to be kept or systems that are working well that need to be uh, strengthened or uh, replicated. So um, change management really begins with the in, with an in-depth intake interview. Um, we're, we're working on one now. It starts on March 7th. Um, it is uh, in the healthcare industry. Um, but restaurants, a lot of times, will just call and say, hey, I need you to come do do an intake interview with me to make sure that we're as lean as we can possibly be. And most of the time where we land is in the training. 
training is a lot of times if you can, if any of you worked fast food when you were in high school or, or in that kind of environment, you show up on day one and they pop you at the grill, give you a spatula and say, go for it. The training was minimal. Uh, when restaurants are ready to scale, you have to have documentation of what's expected of each of your, of your, of your employees. Number one, number two, you have to create a culture of career. We focus on developing career culture in restaurants, which is so lacking in today's uh, restaurant communities. And I'm sure your restaurant owners will be like, heck yeah, it's very, I can't even find somebody to come into work two days in a row, much less career culture. Well, it's, we help develop the communication that says to, to those weekenders who are looking for beer and pizza money instead of a career, it tells them this is really not the place for you. We're looking for people for the long term. And if you'll stay with me, I've got a place for you to go. We're going to grow this restaurant and we're going to give you opportunities for upward mobility. Um, things like that are what we bring to the table for restaurant owners out of the gate. Um, we've created a lot of universities for restaurants. Those include videos and online engage, engaging training exams. They have to test out of it within 30 days of their hire date. Stuff like that that's just super important to create a sustainable um, uh, environment for, for employees to grow. Um, that, that's a huge one for us. I love that. You get involved with almost like a fractional CFO, margins, looking at cash flow, balance sheets. And if so, what has the inflation done to your model at this point when a business owner was paying, say, 50 bucks for chicken wings and now they're paying 175 like the inflation has been historical. Yeah, it, it has been. So, I mean, we, we were dealing with this in California. If you can imagine what chicken wings cost in North Carolina, imagine what they cost in California, yep. even from the same suppliers. So Cisco Great. might sell chicken wings in North Carolina for 50 bucks a case, but in California, they are $170 a case. Yep. So we, we yes, we have to navigate all of that. And there's there's something that I'd like to say to the, to the to your listeners. We distinguish between cost of goods sold and cost of goods delivered. There's a difference. Uh, the cost of goods delivered says that I'm going to, I'm going to uh, manage my overhead from all of the net. So when I sell a hamburger, the net on that hamburger has to be enough to support this business. So often when restaurant owners, because nobody tells them this stuff, when they're doing the math and they're checking how much that hamburger is to sell or that combo, for example, is to sell and they get down to their net, they think that goes in their pocket. What they don't remember is that you have to cover your light bill and your gas bill and your rent and your other things, not just the bun and condiments and the meat. You have to cover all of those other things. And so we, we go in and we make sure that prices that are being charged cover that. But beyond that, in the change management world, uh, Dan and Vinny, we have to go negotiate with vendors. And quite often, the difference is, look, I've got my pen here. I'm pointing to something. <laughs> um, when we start negotiating with vendors, a lot of things, that a lot of times restaurant owners don't realize that these, these supply houses provide terms. And what a break, what a, what a gift, a shot in the arm it would be if their if they're, uh, food provider um, if their food wholesaler would give them what's called net 10 end of month, all the food providers now around the world hate me because I just gave that away. It's called net 10 end of month. Ask them about it. And if they don't, if they act dumb, tell, call me 
and I'll, I'll bring them up to speed on what the net 10 in a month means. But that's a net 30 where you can get food in, in the restaurant, sell it for 30 days, and then almost like consignment, pay for what you've used. So little things like that that really make profitability achievable, even in today's market. And it's got to be it's got to be difficult for a restaurant owner. So I mean, I I've owned restaurants before, and everything that you just said, I'm sitting here thinking, man, I wish I knew you then. Between <laughs> it, I, I'm telling you, between the margins, employee theft, I was one of those restaurant owners that tried to keep cutting prices at my bar and restaurant to undercut the neighbors, and I should have been doing maybe the opposite and be you know creating more of a unique experience. Um, so I, I love I love this, but I'm just like, wow, I wish I can get in a DeLorean and go back in time. Um, you know, and apply all this information. I wrote an article some time ago, I think it was early last year for a magazine in franchising about there is no scarcity. And and what I, what I mean by that is um, a lot of restaurant owners are cutting their prices to be competitive Mm -hmm. and the answer to to being competitive. And I don't want to unpack this. That's another two hour uh, Q and a, the answer to being competitive is not cutting price. The answer to being competitive is to justify the experience. And you can do that. There is a reason why I'm going to choose, I'm getting into the weeds here, but uh, uh, there's a reason that your market share is going to choose your restaurant at least twice a week. You just got to tell them what that is. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, if you'll just structure your messaging in a way that tells them, look, I want to go to Dan's place twice a week with my family for these three reasons. You'll just put that in their lap. Quite often, the price doesn't matter. It's the experience that we're selling. Pizza shop owners call me all the time and say, well, I've got 10 pizza shops in my town. What am I supposed to do? And I said, well, what's your recipe? What do you mean, what's my recipe? Where do you get your pizza sauce recipe? Did it come from a family member? Was it passed down for the last 100 generations from Sicily? Tell me that kind of stuff, because that's what's going to make me decide. I want that Sicilian pizza sauce on my pizza twice a week or once a month Twice a month, whatever it takes to support your restaurant, we communicate that, they make a buying decision, and you've got the, the liquidity you need to stay open. All right, I'm going to stop right. That's my soapbox. Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's funny. It's, I just just hope. To... it's hope. We're communicating it's, hope. You know, I, I, th- I think the one thing, and you pointed it out before, is when you're a business owner, it's all about profit, okay? And, you know, we all know business 101, profit is what? Revenue minus your fixed and variable costs, okay? Yeah. Those variable costs are going up a little bit. You mentioned your fixed costs, your rent, stuff like that. We get it. But okay, what are we doing to adapt to this new environment? And you, you hit it on the head. So I appreciate that. It's a great explanation. If you, even though you went on your soapbox a little bit, Gary. That's all right. uh, we love soapboxes you know? here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, all right, Joe, you know, I want to I want to give you a little time on your soapbox now. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, just be one sided with Gary here. You know, uh, and I, you brought it up a little bit before. I, I think a big thing, and, and Dan and I can attest to this, when we're dealing with, um, you know, business owners in the hospitality industry, specifically the, the, the restaurant vertical, we're talking about, you know, um, card processing and things like that. But point of sale is a big issue with a lot of these companies. All right. Expand on me how you can help them. You know, you come in, you're, you're talking to a business owner, they have an established point of sale, or maybe their rates are going up all the time. What, what can, where can you help and what, what can you do for them? Well, first off, you want a flexible point of sale system. And, and, and so when, I, when I'm looking at a point of sale system for a specific person, for a specific company or restaurant, 
it's really about how flexible can we be? It's about where are they going to go? What is their future plans? Uh, most people, when they're coming in there, they're just they're trying to sell them a, a monitor, a software, a printer, and a, and a thing, and they're trying to get their commission off of that. And that's that's kind of how it works. My my uh, ISO has this, and this is what they push, and and they sell. I don't I don't, don't want to say a name, but they sell X, and and here's and here it is, and I'll give you a price on it, and 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 we want you to fit into it, where it's different because we can work with a lot of different softwares, a lot of different hardwares. We can come up with custom stuff. I mean, it really doesn't matter. It, it's it's really all about what do we see the need for the restaurant is. And then we try to fit that need the best that we can with what's out there. Um, and it could take some mixing and matching of different stuff. Um, but it's also having something that's open source um, so that there is um, a lot of different variables. So if somebody's depending on not every software for um, doing inventory is the same, right? So if you get something that can, um, that is cloud-based and, 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 and app, you know, that, that you can pull the apps in, you can really go through and pick what you want and pull down what you want. And, um, and it can change the cost and the price uh, depending on how, um, how elaborate you want to get. So some people want a POS system, but want it extremely simple. You know, some people want a POS system that really goes into every every single detail. And so that's what we try to do is we try to get them what they need and what will service them as they expand um, in the future. And that's what we're always looking for. That's working with Gary. That's what we're always looking at. I mean, we can you can look at a you can look at a restaurant or any business and say, OK, this is what suits your needs. And I'm going to sell you this and then I'm going to lock you into a contract. But are they looking at where are they going to be? You know, my first question to Gary is, well, what's their goal next year? How many locations are they going to have? What, what are you looking at five years from now? And okay. So, so even if we uh, we're working on a project right now that, you know, I could go a certain way and I can give them credit card processing, but in Gary, but I introduced them to Gary and in Gary said, well, no, we're going to be doing this mobile thing. We're going to be doing this. We're going to be doing that. So I'm like, okay, so we need to go with something way different than just getting them to process credit cards. And you know, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, Dan and I, uh, as, a, as, a, as a company vision, it's not just the immediate need we look for. We're looking down the road and we're trying to make sure that, look, this isn't a one-off. We're, we're here for the relationship. We're here to grow with you, help you grow and, and be there to support you throughout that process. So thank you for bringing it up because I think that's extremely important. You know, um, we all, we, we can all agree that you know, you said uh, business owners now are are working in the business and not on the business. Still wearing multiple hats now. We get it. They're doing things they didn't have to do in the past. Okay, they're having their challenges on their own. You know, inventory, staffing. Okay, everything. So we know. And you know, thank you for bringing it up because it's extremely important. We're not just you know one and done. And thank you. You know, we're in it for the long haul. So thank yeah. you very much for bringing it up. It's extremely important. Yeah, and then we can adapt over time too. So that's where we don't lock anybody into anything. So over time, we will service it. And if it doesn't work, then we'll flip it. We'll flip it to something else. And that's that's, that's the point. That's, that's the whole point of it. You know, and, yeah, that's, that's, and I'll, I'll just bring up one other point is a lot of people come to me and they ask, I think you asked me the question earlier and I don't think I answered it, was what's the most common question? The most common question is what is your, what is your rate? Right. Because people all they always purchase off of rate. They think that that's 
Oh, you're yep. 2.4, you're 2.2, you're one. Oh, I'm going to go with 2.2. Uh, what I don't, you know, and, and so to me, there, I don't have a rate. There is no rate because there, if somebody's throwing you out a rate, it's probably way too high, right? Because, and you get places out there, and, and I guess I could say their name because they're pretty popular, but like Square, Pay, PayPal, things like that, they're all, they're all what's called flat rate companies, right? So they're flat rate. And so why is, why do they run at 285 and 30 cents a transaction? Because American Express is 2.85, right? So American Express is the most expensive card that anybody carries in there for the merchant that anybody carries in their pocket, right? And they swipe that card. Everybody knows they're paying 285, right? And so that's why all those flat raters go above that, right? So they're, they're all above that. So it, knowing that that's the highest thing that we have in, in our pocket, everything for us is going to be lower. Right. So that's why I can almost guarantee that I can save you money one way or the other. Um, the flip side of that is there's so many different variables when it comes to what is a rate, what forms a rate, it's the type of cards that come in. You know, it's <laughs> it's the type of cards that come in. It's it's how a particular restaurant is sitting um, um, is actually sitting with uh, with the government. I can't I don't know why I'm drawing a blank here. On the um, on the exchange is how they're sitting on the exchange. There's there's different rankings in the exchange, right? So a restaurant can have seven or eight different rankings on the exchange, and that's going to affect what Visa can build them, right? And so most people don't realize that. So we look at everything. We look at not only the type of cards that are coming. We do things over a ninety day period. So when somebody comes in and says, "What's your rate?" I go, "Well, I don't know until I understand what who your customers are, what you're selling, how much." You know, what's, what's your average ticket price? All of those things are variations. And then do you sell alcohol? Don't you sell alcohol? Do you have, you know, are you, do you have drive-through? Do you have a takeout? Are you delivery service? All those things are different rates. People don't realize that. So I start everybody off as a basic cost plus model. And, and so for the next 30, 60, and then 90, I'll sit there and I'll do, we'll, we'll do an analysis on them and see, are they, where do we need to make adjustments? So we can do combinations of we can flat rate this and we can we can variable rate that. There's a lot of different ways that we can do it. And so without getting into the weeds, because I'm going to get on my soapbox too, I can talk about this for an hour. Um, but it's not about a rate, right? It's it's there's a lot of different variations that comes to creating something for somebody like that. It's, it, you make a good point. I think a lot of business owners are conditioned price yes. point. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Rates, without a doubt. You know, yep. we get it. You know, we get it. And that's, I think that's where Dan and I come in and kind of try to educate them. I'll, I'll put it that way. Educate them on the, on the process. It's not just all about one point or one point. It's, you know, let's understand the process and make sure we're, we're taking advantage of it. So, yeah. And people are out there, they'll sell low rate, but then they hit you with a whole bunch of fees. Yeah. So what's the point? Exactly. So what's the exactly. point? At the end of the month, you're still paying three and a half. Yeah. With zero flexibility. Right, that's right. With you know, which is yeah, which is crazy. And we, I know we focused on the restaurant vertical in this conversation, but it's important to know that you both work with basically just about any industry, correct? Any industry. So, with that in mind, you know th this 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 conversation um, there's really a follow up to to a town hall style discussion we're going to have that's going to allow uh, business owners to actually engage both of you and ask questions and things that can help the organization. So. Before we do that, and as we wrap this conversation up, I just have one more question for each of you. We'll start with Gary, and then we'll we'll go over to Joe. All right. So, who is Gary Norris? Um, 
<laughs> uh, I am. <laughs> I love it. Wow, that's a trick question. That I see a huge abyss. I'm ready to fall into the abyss. Um, I am a very simple guy. I my, my vice is coffee. I love playing my guitar and spending time with my family. Um, I am fierce uh, about making sure that the business owner wins. Uh, that is that's what gets me up in the morning, usually before everyone else. Um, I am also a uh, a farm guy and a logger. I come from a long history of lumbermen and sawmill men in the mountains of North Carolina, especially the Blue Ridge. So I live on a 13 acre farm in an 1880 uh, house that belong on property that belonged to the regulators and during the Revolutionary War. Um, uh, I spend a lot of time outside when it's warm enough. And uh, uh, again, just love hanging out with my kids and my wife, beautiful wife who works with me. So if you work with me, folks, you'll get to see my wife eventually. She keeps me straight. So that's, um, uh, I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy. Uh, actually, I'm wearing work boots right now. You can't see it. <laughs> but I did zoom attire. <laughs> right. Uh, my, my wife said to me this morning, you're going to wear your loggers to this call? I said, yeah, they're only going to see me from the chest Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, at least I'm wearing pants. I'm wearing pants. That's important. And, uh, but that's, that's me. So if you come to my house on Saturday, I'll be cutting wood somewhere. So there you go. I love that's it. Love it, love it, love it. Joe, same question to you, buddy. Oh yeah, that's a that's a that's a tough one. Who is Joe Desarrow? Who am I? I am um, I'm a family guy. That's that's what I do. I mean, I have a wife and I have two kids and um, and a dog, and uh, I live in Greensboro, North Carolina. And to me, everything. I started doing this. I've, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. You know, basically straight out of uh, college, I uh, just started a business, and um, this is my third iteration, but um, this is the one that I think I got it right finally. Um, every one that I've done prior to this has been about the same kind of thing, which is, you know, serving the customers, customer service, making sure they get everything that they need that I can possibly do for them. And I do this to create freedom for myself to be able to spend time with my family. And that's really what it's all about. Because to me, it, it's, it's about being able to hop in the car on a Friday afternoon and head to the beach and sit there with the kids and, and the thing, or, or go, you know, they, they love to go hiking and things like that. And, and so we'll go into the woods and go find a Creek or go find a waterfall somewhere and just sit there for hours. And, and that's, that's, that's what we do. I mean, that's what we like to do. And, and um, you know, my, my wife is, um, she helps me out a lot. She's not in the business. We tried that. It didn't quite work. Um, <laughs> And, uh, but she, um, you know, uh, she's a volleyball coach. And so we travel around to do that. My, my daughter is a, a junior Olympic volleyball player and nice. now she's, now she's coaching. So we, we do a lot of, a lot of stuff like that where we're packing up heading somewhere to go do a volleyball tournament or something like that. And that's, to me, that's fun. That's that I love doing that. A lot of people dread that. Uh, but I, to me, that's, that's my nirvana is to sit there and just go pack everybody in the car and go, Amen. go to someplace and, and do that. And, um, you know, on the side, I'm a bowler. I used to be a, uh, a pro bowler back in the day. And uh, this was many years ago when I was in my early 20s. And um, I retired for about 17 years. And now I'm getting back into it again. So, awesome. I, uh, uh, you know, I love to do that. That's, uh, that's my, other, my other safe space. And 
and um and that's you know that's about me it's it's pretty i've run it's a pretty simple life and love it yeah. absolutely love it uh Vinny, when we meet face to face when we meet joe face to face remind us not to get hustled bowling uh, <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> All right, i only got one question for joe joe hook or straight oh straight no 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 Man, I, can, I can hook it off the planet if you need to. Now, listen, I, believe it or not, I threw a 299 game, or not a 299 game. Uh, I threw um, all strikes in a go bowling game, rolling straight, bowling straight, except for the last frame. Oh. And the people we were bowling with thought I hustled them. It was total freak accident. <laughs> I, I, don't, I can't repeat that. I've been trying for years. But just so you know, it can happen with a straight throw. Just saying. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, <laughs> thank both of you for joining. Um, just to kind thank of circle you. back, we are going to have a town hall type discussion. Um, invitations will go out. Uh, entrepreneurs, business owners, um, a very diverse group of people have an opportunity to tap the minds of both of you. Um, and I think that right there, um, in terms of investing time in your own growth, that's a tremendous opportunity for people. So thank you again. We, we truly appreciate it. Um, Gary Norris from Norris Ventures and Joe Nazario from DPS Card Services. Um, you know, looking forward to, to the town hall. And, and thanks again, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank Dan you, and Vincent, I really appreciate you guys doing this with us. And, and thank you very much for the opportunity. A lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thank you.